2: Navigation system. Please say a command. Myron Metcalf back on the ride, filling in all week for the one and only Patrick Roycey. Man, this microphone is like it drops a little bit. You know, I'm trying yeah, to get it in the perfect.
3: See, the mayor always has it positioned extremely low. Yeah, and he I'm, likes I'm a to little higher that low rider chair. But yeah. most, but the rest of us normal people, we like it <laughs> at a decent height. So. Yeah,
0: it,
2: it's cool. Yeah. It's all good. Uh glad to be back on the show. Feels like the week is flying by. I know. Uh it's amazing. We have football this week. Friday, Saturday well actually, uh tomorrow I think there's a game. I think there's a Thursday game. Maybe I'm wrong. I know there's a Friday game for sure. Uh and then the the Vikings. And preseason
3: play. is weird because there's always you know, very there's bizarre a Wednesday game and there it's yeah. It's, it, and and I mean for, for TV it's
2: it's very interesting because you've got baseball. CFL, soccer, boxing, all these well, things. College football will be college football soon. College football is coming soon. Uh, but be, I believe the Vikings are playing at the Broncos on NFL Network at 8 o'clock yep. on Saturday. So I'm just scrolling along, reading about things happening in sports, and I stumbled upon a really good feature story in Bleacher Report by Master. I'm going to ruin the last name. I just call him Master.
0: Tesfacian, I, I, I think. Because uh, we, we had him on a couple of weeks ago, and I Yeah, Testfatian. And I think you said Tess Fassian. Yeah. Who's,
2: who's like the uh, Anthony Davis of NFL reporting. Like the young dude is going to dominate this thing uh, here in the next 10 years. But really good writer. Really good story about Alvin Kamara uh, running back with the New Orleans Saints. My guy. Your guy, Manny. Who, you know, and he's reflecting on the Minneapolis miracle. Uh, the Case Keenum completion of Stephon Diggs. Obviously, the I think that one player of the year at the ESPYs. Mm-hmm. Here's what he had to say. Here's what he told Master. Uh, We would would have beaten the bleep out of the Eagles because we were rolling. If we had won against Minnesota, I knew nobody was going to stop us because we came all the way back. The conversation gets Kamara excited for the upcoming season. He described 2017 as an experiment year for the Saints, and he believes everyone in the locker room knows what they are capable of accomplishing in 2018. Quote, we know what the standard is, Kamara says before pausing for a few seconds. So, yeah bleep Minnesota. <laughs> Wait, what? I, I don't, I guess I don't understand. Like, why are you mad at Minnesota? Your guy blew the play. Your, your guy made the worst decision in playoff history. Couldn't do something that a middle school defense could have executed. We, we could have grabbed, we could have grabbed, who's, who's probably the best football team in, in the city, Creton or something like that. Sure. Like, like Eden Prairie. Creighton, we could have grabbed Creighton's best DBs right now and put them in that exact scenario on an NFL field, and they wouldn't have made that mistake against Stefan Diggs. There's one
3: play left. All you got to do is play prevent defense. You know, don't get beat. Well, and I know we, we, we have dissected that game and that play for months now, but what always still amazes me is when you watch the highlight of that is how many different things had to fall the right or the wrong way for that specific play to happen because it was designed for him to get out of bounds so they could kick the field goal. And Marcus Williams, his his one job was yeah. to keep him in bounds. And That's the it. game's over. That's it. And he couldn't do it. You could have even allowed him to catch the ball, Yes. tackle him in bounds, and there won't, wouldn't have been enough time. As long as nobody gets behind you, as long as you keep the play in bounds, you're good. Mm-hmm.
2: There's just no chance. The game is over. Instead, you make the most ridiculous play that I've seen in a long time, and you blow the game for the Saints, right? So that's where I guess I'm kind of confused with Kamara. I understand he's not gonna throw his guy under the bus, but Bleak Minnesota, your dude is the one who who cost you a chance to go play in the NFC title game. Right. And what makes you so sure you would have gone to Philly and won
0: against the Eagles? Well that's that's what I was thinking. What planet too is are you on? He's he's gonna have two fan bases ticked off at him now because he's because he said, you know, we would have beaten the bleep out of the Eagles, and bleep Minnesota. Well, now he's got people in Minnesota and in Philadelphia mad at him. Yeah, what's what's that based on?
2: Like, what is he? What, what makes him think that that team was going to rumble through the Eagles? Had they, you know, not made that play at the end of the game and lost I, to the Vikings?
0: I tend to think that they wouldn't have beaten the Eagles, but I think that they certainly would have put up a better performance. Indiana's I don't know, man. The Eagles,
2: man. when I watched what they did in the Super Bowl, they were just good everywhere. And, well, and I don't know.
0: Let's not forget, like the Eagles, kind of squeaked it out against Atlanta too in that second round.
2: Yes, they did. Well, that by then Nick Foles, Julio Jones catches that pass, the Falcons yeah. win. Different deal. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that's also Nick Foles playing in maybe his fourth game as a starter for them. First after, the Wentz, right. after the Wentz injury. Yeah. yeah. Um, he looked like a different player when it, it was time to play in the MC championship game, and he looked like a completely different player in the Super Bowl. Uh so okay, whatever. maybe, maybe they would have had a chance against the Eagles. I don't think so. But Bleep Minnesota like here's what it here's the bigger story to me though. Everyone's talking about Minnesota's schedule and going to Philly and New England, all these different things they're gonna have to achieve in the first half of their schedule to prove that they're still a Super Bowl contender. To me, the Kamara quote and others like it, I think we'll see. This is the first time, fellas, in a long time where I think the Vikings are going to be targets in a way. Where, where a win or, or even a respectable outing against the Minnesota Vikings is, is a feather in your cap for certain teams. And I think that's just a different perspective. And this is a team that has been the underdog so long and has become so accustomed to exceeding expectations. I wonder how they're going to handle the reverse. The fact that teams are gunning for them, coming for them. You don't go on the road to Philly and it's like, oh, poor Minnesota. No way. You're
3: supposed to win that game, at least be competitive in that game if you're you're intending to win a Super Bowl. And not to mention, too, your chief rival who is getting their franchise quarterback back this year has revenge on their minds as well in a number Mm -hmm. of different ways because he was injured against you and because they want to reclaim the division. So there are a lot of those factors, too.
2: It, all all of that stuff is going to be an emotional energy that this team hasn't had to deal with since what post ninety
3: eight. Speaking I'm, of that, did you guys hear the Aaron Rodgers quotes at a Packers camp about yesterday? the receivers, about the wide receivers? <laughs> oh man! Well, but I love. Well, here is what I love about it. Number one, it wasn't the 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 starting. It wasn't Devontae Adams and uh, Randall no, Cobb. No, no, it's the. Fifth and sixth round guys. Dude's they, trying to make the team. That are just, yeah, exactly. They're just <laughs> camp bodies, basically. It's Leroy and them. But I, but I do like the fact that he's like, you're all terrible. Like, you can't <laughs> play like that <laughs> and expect to be on the field. That, no, I thought that was pretty great. I love that he, though, has that sort of assertive
2: edge. Like, Aaron Rodgers, if there were one quarterback in football and I had to start a team, I'm picking Aaron Rodgers. Like, Aaron Rodgers to me is the best quarterback in football. And he won't have the Super Bowls to back that up. But the numbers and what he's achieved with the Packers, remarkable. That run a couple of years ago when they won eight in a row was just one of the most fabulous things that I've ever seen. Uh, but I, I think it's he has a certain edge going into this season because of the reasons you've mentioned. And if you're A.A. Ron, you're also looking at the Vikings and going, I'm going to show everybody that those dudes aren't as good as you think. And, and like that's, again, whether it's Kamara whether it's anyone else, the Vikings are a target in ways that they haven't been in a long time. We'll be back after this. Myron Metcalf, uh, back on the ride. Filling in all week. Filling in all week. Uh, I think my man Sam Vecini, uh with The Athletic. Basketball expert is on the line with us. Sam, how you doing? Myron, how's it going? It's good, man. How warm is it out there in Los Angeles, man? It's it's like ninety. I had to go inside. I couldn't sit outside on my balcony today. It was bad. That's a good problem to have. Like you're not by those wildfires, are you? <laughs> no, no. I live
1: like right in the middle of Hollywood, so well, I'm like way away from that. I'm a little bit away from the mountains, but I'm like close enough to hike. It's a good spot.
2: Good, good, man. Well, I want to have you all, man, because obviously you're the expert on all things basketball, NBA, college. Uh, the NBA uh, obviously released its its schedule for opening week and, and Christmas Day schedule. Obviously, being in L.A. with what has happened with LeBron James and, like, they're the Lakers, right? So, everybody's always talking about them. But this feels different, man. This feels like an anticipation that I'm not sure we've seen with any team in a long time.
1: Yeah. So, like, I'm from Pittsburgh. So, like, I didn't grow up out here. but. (laughs) you can feel it you know like i'm not a lakers fan and i can still feel it right it's really exciting it's a really great atmosphere to be around like people are excited about the lakers again because you know i think people were excited about the idea of watching a team with brandon ingram and kyle kuzma and lonzo ball like watching those guys grow and mature there's hope there there's excitement but it's different when you have the greatest player essentially to ever play basketball or at least one of the two best to ever play basketball, uh, in Los Angeles, in, you know, this area of Hollywood and uh, there's everything that goes into that. And it's just a different vibe. It's a different atmosphere when it comes to basketball right now.
2: We're on with Sam Vecini of the athletic, uh, based in LA basketball expert. So magic has been telling everybody that he's got this great plan, uh, apparently, and he's got guys like Lance Stevenson and, Michael Beasley. Michael Beasley, who, by the way, drove a monster truck to a pickup game a couple years back when he was in Minnesota. Uh, just a very interesting guy. But he's got all these guys. I don't see how it all comes together. Sam, is is the plan here to just, you know, I, I guess, field the team this year, dump all these deals, and go after some big-time free agents in 2019 as well?
1: So, yeah, I think that that's exactly right. I, I think that they convinced LeBron that, given the Golden State Warriors, given uh, the Houston Rockets still being as incredible as they are, given uh, just the atmosphere of the NBA right now, it makes sense to kind of sit back for a year, roll over their cap space into 2019 when you have free agents like Kawhi Leonard and Kemba Walker and Kyrie Irving and Klay Thompson and Jimmy Butler, maybe get one of those guys, then build a big three by utilizing someone like a Brandon Ingram, a you know uh, Alonzo Ball, etc. cetera, And letting those guys' value move up over the course of this year by playing with LeBron James and then being able to build an elite team for 2020. I think that that's ultimately when their window starts. You're talking about 2020, 2021, 2022. I think those are the three years when the Lakers are hoping to be competing for an NBA championship. And to be honest, I agree with it. I think that Anytime you can wait out the Warriors for one more year, Kevin Durant only took a one-year contract. Draymond Green only has two more years, and I have questions about he's gonna about how he's gonna age. Klay Thompson only has one year left on his contract. I think it's a smart move on their part.
2: Uh, Westgate Sportsbook released their projected win totals, the over/under. Uh, they had Minnesota at forty-four and a half. They won forty-seven games last year uh, with uh, Jimmy Butler, who was not healthy all season or for the full season. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, a team that won 47 games, doesn't seem like they've lost a lot. Uh, seems low to me.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that I would take the over on that win total uh, if I was a gambling man, and I am a gambling man for <laughs> the most part. So I would be willing to take the over on Minnesota. And, you know, the reason is that this is still an incredibly young team uh, in terms of their position players, Andrew Wiggins. You can expect him to continue to get better even though he's already been in the league for four years. You can expect Carl Towns to get better even though he's only been in the league three years. Tyus Jones is a guy that I really like. I think that he isn't used uh, as well as he could be there. He's going to keep getting better. And Then you get guys like Josh Koji and Kade bates Up, who I think can actually step in as rookies and help. And then they brought in Anthony Tolliver and James Nunnally, two guys that can really help with the thing that they struggled with at times most last season, which is spacing the floor and shooting the basketball. So I'm a pretty big fan of what Minnesota has done in general. This is their lineup. This is what they're going with going forward. But I think that uh, this is a pretty solid playoff team in my mind, despite what uh, I think a lot of people, including the great folks out in Vegas, uh, currently indicate.
2: I don't think anybody obviously catches Golden State and even Houston. I wonder what happens defensively adding Mellon, losing some of the pieces uh that were key to that team last year, but the the rest of the west I mean that three through nine or ten seems like it's gonna be a, a couple of wins separating all those teams. How stacked is that group of teams competing for the next six or seven spots in the West after Golden State and Houston?
1: yeah, I think you're talking about a group of teams you know from uh Portland who finished third in the West last year and uh now I'm like not sure they're gonna make the playoffs this year to Oklahoma City to uh Minnesota. Denver got a lot better this summer. Yeah, they There's did. Just so many teams right there that have gotten so much better. And you can even look at the Spurs who won I think forty eight games last year yeah. without Kawhi Leonard on their roster. Crazy. Uh so you add DeMar DeRozan in, even though a lot of people, including myself, weren't necessarily huge fans of that trade for them they're going to be better this year than they were last year. So it's just going to be a mess in the middle. I can't tell you who I think is going to make and miss the playoffs out of that group. But it's just going to be really, really fun to watch, and it's going to be exciting just about every single night in the Western
2: Conference. I want you to talk some sense into these Minnesota folks who've given up on Andrew Wiggins. Listen, Andrew Wiggins is, <laughs> has 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 some gifts and tools. He's obviously got some major, major flaws. But when you look at the next three to four years, what could he become?
1: Yeah, I think that you know a lot of people have written off like him becoming an NBA All Star and all this stuff. I, I genuinely believe that that is still a potential outcome for him. He's 23 years old. There are guys that entered the NBA draft this year that are 23 years old. Yeah. Like I think Katabayashi is 23 Deon, yeah. years old. Yeah. So like uh, he's still so young. He's averaged 20 points a game throughout his NBA career. It's really hard to do that. Like I think that a lot of people get caught up in this game of efficiency, right? And and look, I do too. I'm a, a big proponent of analytics, big proponent of efficiency, but you, it's a balancing act between efficiency and shot creation. And Andrew Wiggins is a legitimate shot creator for this team. And additionally, he creates Uh, a bit of a soft landing pad for the Timberwolves in case Jimmy Butler leaves next offseason. Now, I mean, we can talk about how the Timberwolves have more issues if Jimmy Butler leaves next offseason, but uh, I don't really love the fit between those two. But you have to keep Andrew Wiggins in case that uh, possibility ends up occurring. And he's just so physically gifted that you have to assume the light is going to go on at some point.
2: Obviously, someone like Anthony Davis is in his own stratosphere. Uh, But I feel like Carl Towns can progress into that top 12-ish, top 10-ish in the next maybe three to four years. Is that too ambitious to think that? No, uh, I
1: think you're right. I think that he will be a top 10 player within the next two years of the NBA. I genuinely do. The only thing that is holding him back right now from that level is defense. Yeah. I mean, you look at what he's done offensively over the course of his first uh, really, I would say two to three years, those second and third years. He averaged 25 points and 12 rebounds and three assists as a sophomore and shot 37% from three. The guy shot 42% from three last year. He blocked shots. He's not a great defender just because he struggles to move laterally a little bit, and is slow in terms of reacting to what's happening around him in terms of protecting the rim and contesting every single shot that he can. But this guy has never been hurt. He continues to mature and grow his offensive game as soon as the defensive side of the floor comes around and it tends to come around a little bit later for big guys, he's going to be you know, uh, really, if you told me he won an MVP, I would not be shocked. He wow. is that special, I think.
2: I think when people look at the defensive issues with this team, I think that's where some of the frustration comes from because Tom Thibodeau was supposed to be uh, the genius, the guru, uh, the guy who solved some of those issues. Now, obviously, Jimmy Butler wasn't healthy all season, but How important is that going to be when you look at how great the Houston's and the Golden State Warriors have been defensively? How important is that going to be for this team going forward to improve there? Yeah,
1: it's absolutely essential. It is the most important part of their growth and maturation process over the course of the next year, really, and really over the course of the next three months. They need to get really comfortable with each other defensively and need to Uh, figure out a way to slow down the parade to the basket that happened at times last year. Uh, you know, Jeff Teague is not the best defender at the point of attack just because he's small. He's quick and gets in the passing lanes, but he's not necessarily a great defender. Andrew Wiggins, Carl Towns, guys that aren't great defenders away from the basketball and in terms of team defense. Now, uh, they do have Taj Gibson, Gordon Jen can protect the rim a little bit. Uh, you know Jimmy Butler is obviously an all defensive team guy. They have some tools there. It's just getting that little bit extra in, in terms of team impact from guys like Towns and Wiggins that can hopefully uh, kind of counteract some of the breakdowns that you saw on defense last year.
2: Who, who are the uh, three most dangerous teams for the Golden State Warriors? I guess for me, this this a healthy Boston is very interesting to me. Uh, Houston with Mellow is, I wonder what they do defensively, like I said. For you, who are the three teams that you would put on the list and say, you know, they might not be able to beat Golden State, but they're the biggest threats?
1: Yeah, so teams that, can, that I think have a chance to beat Golden State at least. Uh, it's teams like, that can really match up with them athletically while retaining size and length on the floor. A team like Toronto with Kawhi Leonard, assuming he returns to his full health, I think that team's really interesting because you can throw out lineups with, like, O.G. Ananobi and Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard and uh, C.J. Miles can shoot and has size to defend and uh, you know, Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam, guys like that that are super athletic and can move on the perimeter. Boston, as you mentioned, all of those wings and guards and perimeter players including uh, you know Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward's back next year. Uh, th- those guys are all terrific. Marcus Smart as well. The third team that I would look at is still probably Houston. I agree with you. Uh, I am concerned, though, about how their defense matches up now because you're looking at a situation where you're going to have James Harden and Carmelo Anthony on the floor, possibly during crunch time, of big games against the Golden State Warriors. This is a team that exploits every single weakness that you have defensively, and I just wonder if the slow-footedness of that pair ends up getting exploited to too substantial an amount when those two teams play.
2: Jimmy Butler made a little fuss about Carl Towns and, you know, there there was a report, I guess, that maybe there have been there would have been some friction there. It uh, doesn't seem like they're going to make a move now. But next summer, will this team regret not exploring their options, especially if they don't get anything for him and he just leaves? It's
1: so hard to say. I think that they're doing the right thing going into this season with Jimmy Butler. But if things start to go that way and go negatively in the locker room and go, uh, problematically on the floor. I think that they absolutely have to consider moving him to deadline. Yeah. Uh, but again, this team was so good when he was on the floor last year. They had a very real shot at the number three seed in the Western Conference. If he would have stayed healthy the entire year, uh, I think you had to bring back the core and, and see if you got, see if Carl Town, see if Andrew Wiggins, see if some of these additions that they wanted to make in the offseason can continue to make the impact, uh, that they you know, are hoping for as they continue to grow and mature at player.
2: And real quick, there's no, is there no sign and trade room with him? I mean, there's nothing that could they do anything to maybe get something in return. And I mean, what are the options I guess there with him? In the offseason, like next offseason? No, before yeah. the deadline, by the deadline. Like,
1: no, I mean, they could, they could move him for whatever they want. It'd just be like a normal rental okay. player, right? At the end of a season. So uh, I think that plenty of teams would be interested in Jimmy Butler, his contract, is not overly onerous because he signed before the cap spike. Obviously, that's why he's going to end up opting out of the contract that he's currently signed to right now. So, obviously, I think that it has to be something in the back of the Timberwolves' minds as they continue to move forward as an organization. But I think, again, they made the right call going forward with this team. It's just they have to be willing to maybe make the move if things kind of go that
2: way. You're the best, Sam. Definitely appreciate you, man. Anytime, Myron. All right. Thanks a lot. I'm Sam Vicini with The Athletic. Great guy on basketball. Follow him on Twitter. We'll be back after this. Myron Metcalf back on the ride.
3: Great song. Aretha. What you want. Aretha Franklin. Did you like what she sang, the anthem, before the Lions-Vikings? Oh, I hit? loved it. I thought it was a little long.
2: I lo- Here, here's... I have a list though. All right, I have a list of people who can sing the anthem and do whatever they want, and she's on and it. she's on it. Okay, she's that's fair. They're, that's they're, fair. Like there, to enough. me, there are a lot of people who think they're on that list, and they're not. <laughs> but she's definitely
3: on it. So it's Aretha, she,
2: Weird it, Al. Well, <laughs> well, like some of them are our deceased Fergie. Whitney, you know, and she, you know, yep. there's a handful of a Carrie Underwood. Let her do what she wants. Okay, like Aretha could show up with a xylophone <laughs> and a mariachi yeah. band, and you just let her do whatever she's gonna do. All right, because you know? that is Aretha. Definitely 90, not on that
0: list. Fergie.
2: No, oh, she's not on anybody's
4: Oof. list. No. What about jo- my new girlfriend, Beyonce?
0: She, uh, she's on the list, but well, she did Beyonce did a Super Bowl anthem. Uh, no, Whitney vocally no category. That's just a different level of. No. I'm trying. I wonder, did did Beyonce do the
3: Super Bowl last year? The anthem last year? was she you? Don't to hijack this. Is this true? The governor declared today, Beyonce. And no. Wait, our perform.
4: governor did that.
3: Yeah. He's done. Yeah. He's, he he's, just declared it. Our governor that did that? Uh,
4: I'm pretty sure he meant Beyonce and Kenny did. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got an update. I, for I us. do. I, speaking of Aretha, I have a 22 year old kid and he tries to introduce me to all this new music, some of which I like. And he'll introduce me to young female singers and I'll say, Have you ever heard Aretha Franklin sing? He gets very oh, angry <laughs> with me. He gets very angry. I listen. Uh, this update sponsored by your locally owned Domino's. Introducing Domino's Hotspots: Get pizza delivered to outdoor locations like parks, beaches, and more. Not at home? Not a problem. Visit Domino's.com for details on Domino's Hotspots.
0: I think the governor proclaimed it Beyonce Day two years ago when she performed at TCF Bank Stadium too, uh-huh, as well. Yeah. So he does know, this. He's he, 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 just trying he to he get free. Yeah, he's yeah. just
4: trying to get free tickets. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying what? to get a phone call, is what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> we know that place. It's, was <laughs> in Cleveland tonight again.
3: In Cleveland, <laughs>
4: they go to Riz, He pitches for the Twins.
3: We've all done it, Kenny. It? I'm not. I'm not judging. He pitches for Minnesota tonight. Mike uh, Mike
4: Clevenger will go for Cleveland. Your lineup uh. to face Mr. Clevenger goes Mauer. DHing Rosario in left field, Polacco hits third at shortstop, Sano batting cleanup at third base, Kepler in right field hits fifth, Logan Forsythe hits sixth at second base, Logan Morrison's at first base hitting seventh, Mitch Garver
0: catches and hits eighth, Jake Cave. The loss and just move on. <laughs> Come on, they, they won last they night. Won. Yeah, what are you talking man. about? You want him to forfeit? Did Belisle pitch last night? nope he's on the DL I'm like Royce though bound, I'm sour maybe. on them right now oh fine be sour on them but they won I mean wh- yeah. come <laughs> on I've been around Pat too much <laughs> <laughs> he's, <laughs> having an in- he's having an influence on me
4: uh, speaking of sour, uh, Richie Incognito last night issued an apology to Mike Zimmer and deleted those tweets from earlier in the day where he called the Vikings head coach a bleeping liar what for saying the team wasn't interested in his services. He also deleted the tweets that included screenshots of text that he had had res- uh, with recent, uh, recently deceased Vikings offensive line coach Tony Sperano. Actually wanted him on the team. He's a classless goofball. To even do that. Mm -hmm. NBA releasing its marquee opening week, uh, Christmas Day and MLK Day schedules this afternoon. And unlike last year, there are no Minnesota Timberwolves on the marquee games. Uh, They did release also the Wolves their uh, preseason schedule. September 29th at Golden State, October 3rd at the LA Clippers, October 5th they'll play Oklahoma City at the Target Center. Uh they have an October 7th game Milwaukee, but they haven't said yet when and where that game will be uh time-wise and they'll be at Milwaukee on October 9th for another.
3: Don't they usually season. play one down in Mankato
0: and like yeah, in Sioux the Taylor Falls Taylor and Center. stuff? Yeah. Sioux Falls,
3: yeah. Preseason basketball is the worst preseason in
2: in all sports. It's just worse than football?
0: Yeah, at least, really?
2: At least they're like you're sorting things
3: out in football. Not that, basketball's the basketball. I don't know. The fourth quarter of a preseason game is pretty brutal. I mean, when I watched the Hall of Fame game the other day, it was you are so <laughs> pathetic. You are so pathetic. It was pathetic. tough to get through that fourth quarter. What's wrong with you? <laughs> we'll be back after
2: this. <laughs> Meyer Metcalf back here on the ride. Oh, man, some good Ray Charles. Who? A lot of people don't know that he made... A number of country albums, and his love was actually country music. Uh, that's where he started. Right on. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. If you want to hear, we we're talking about Aretha Franklin. If you want to hear why Aretha Franklin is on that list of sort of special singers who can do what they want, "Good to Me as I Am to You," uh, a song she did, I believe, in '67. The young guitarist uh, playing in the background on that track is a 22-year-old man named Eric. Clapton. You may have heard of him. Wow. Eric Clapton's sure. playing on that track, a member of Cream at the time. But it just shows sort of her her vocal range and why she's such a unique, gifted talent. Um, so, check that out if you like Aretha Franklin. I want to run through the Vikings schedule and do sort of a quick projected Ooh, win-loss like, total. Win-loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, so it, love it. That's why I asked you guys if you had notebooks. And Manny had to grab something really quick. So, okay. it's me and you here. It's me and you. Uh, also, throughout this show, feel free to call in. 651 646 82-55, uh, we get paid to talk for a living, so always open the conversation. All right, let's start with September 9th, the season opener, hosting San Francisco. I will say, Reavers, that that's a win. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, even, even with Jimmy G and his hair. And I think San Francisco the playoff looks, team, but
3: I think the Vikings win that game. Yeah,
2: it, I mean, you're, you're catching them at the right time. Yes. You don't want to see them in Week 8 or Week 9. Uh, I, I think the Vikings win that. All right, at Green Bay... Out for revenge, obviously. Aaron Rodgers. um, I'm going to give that to Green Bay. Just because that just feels like one of those crazy environments. Revenge for Aaron Rodgers after the injury in Lambeau. I'm going to call that a loss for the Vikings.
3: I'm going to say W, but it's because it's early in the season. If this was a... December game, even though the Vikings went, was at 2015 that they went in there and won in, at, at Lambeau right before Christmas. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to take some time for Aaron to get back in the groove. That's fair. I, again, I said this about the Niners. I think Green Bay is a playoff team. Yeah. But I think the Vikings win that game week too.
2: That is definitely fair. They host uh, the Buffalo Bills the next week, a playoff team, but no Tyrod Taylor anymore. They might have a young... Uh, not Josh Allen, right? Yeah, well, the they, they, they
3: drafted him first overall, but they also signed AJ McCarron True. as a free agent.
2: Nothing guaranteed at quarterback for that team. I'm going to pick the Vikings at
3: home to I win think that game. This will be a bloodbath. I was at the really? Buffalo playoff. You game did? I remember that in January. Remember that? I told you to be careful. And I, listen, I love the Mafia. Yeah, Me and the Bills Mafia. We tight. Just don't mess okay? with them. Um, but that's a very limited team, and yeah. I think. To be honest, I think Buffalo is going to revert back to... They're, I think they're on the right track because they drafted a kid first overall or in the first run as a quarterback. I yeah. think they're building a pretty good defense, but I think they're taking a significant step back this year with the LaShawn McCoy situation. Yeah, that's a mess. Because he was about 75% of their offense. Yeah. Tyrod um, Taylor was a joke. I think I think the Bills are going to be about a 6-10 team this year. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I do. I don't think
2: they're great. I mean, I, I definitely do. think Minnesota wins that. I don't think they have a lot of trouble with that. Here's where you go. Uh-oh, like if things go south. So you're at two and one. I got him at three and. Yeah, o. I'm at two All and right. one. You got him at three and zero. But here's where we go. It, let's say things don't go right, and sure. they're one and two going into this stretch at L. A.
3: Yeah, at the Rams. the Rams. And That's in a week Thursday night game too.
2: That is scary, especially since it appears that the Rams are starting to uh, mend the uh, wound with Aaron Donald, and if he's back, and you add Dominican Sue and Marcus Peters and mm-hmm. Keith Talib and. Mm-hmm. That is a scary, scary team. I don't see the Vikings winning. There. I don't either. I think that's their first loss of the season. Uh, but again, it's it's a loss to a really good team. Yes. Then from there, you travel to Philly, just the defending Super Bowl champs,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, who could have Carson Wentz playing at. By that time, he's going to be free and loose and not thinking about the injury maybe, looking perhaps like the MVP candidate he was before he went down. That's a... That's a game they lose, but they got to be competitive. Like, it's not like, to me, that's got to be a game where it's no more than a touchdown. Like, it's, you've got to be in the ballpark, even on the road against Philly.
3: I think they're going to lose 38-7. to Really? That was the NFC. That was, that, I that was. No, uh, I, I, I guess, I don't think it'll be that bad, but I, I, I don't like their chances going into Philly. Um, I, I didn't like their chances going into Philly in the NFC title game last year. Yeah. I just, it's one of those places... The Vikings never win at yeah. Philadelphia. It doesn't matter who's that quarterback. Who? It doesn't matter. They never win in Philadelphia. Wow. So that, I got them at two and three. Where are you at now? I'm at three and two. So Arizona comes in October 14th. They win that game. Yeah, an I easy mean, there's win. no, there's yeah. nothing special about that. And, and they, they might even be on to Josh Rosen at that point. If Sam pointed, Bradford's knee isn't holding up. By that point, they might be. Uh, then they go to the Jets,
2: which I don't care if it's. Teddy Bridgewater or McCown or Doesn't matter. Sam Darnold, they win that game. I yep. think we all
3: agree with that. I'm, I'm with you there. Ooh, October 28th, New Orleans, man, Sunday. coming to U.S. Bank Stadium. I think that's a Sunday night game, too, if I'm not mistaken.
2: 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20. That is definitely a Sunday night game. I I feel like the Vikings are better than they were last year, considering the, the moves they've made and, and just them being healthy, right? Hopefully healthy. We don't know about that offensive line, but I think they're better than the Saints, and I think they've got—they feel like they got to prove something. Maybe mm-hmm. against the Saints, mm-hmm. I'm going to give
3: them that win and that game. And let's not forget, they beat the Saints twice last year. Yes, you know, and I, I get it—that in Week One, the Saints were a vastly different team than they were in that playoff game. Um, and I—I I still like Drew Brees. I still like that offense. Uh, I think the Vikings win this game.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's. It, Beating them a third time in three games, anything like the Alvin Kamars or wherever else goes, oh, that was a fluke because of the Minneapolis miracle. I just think they'll be motivated to 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 really put out a dominant performance against the New Orleans Saints. I agree. And, and what do you have them at now? Uh, I have them at six and two, sir. Six and two. I'm at five and three. Okay. The scary thing about that is San Fran could come in here and be dangerous, more dangerous than people realize. Maybe the Bills lay down. Maybe they show a little more life. To me, it's the Arizona Jets, New Orleans Saints stretch where you go, you might be coming off back-to-back road losses. You you got to show up and, and win maybe three in a row mm-hmm. um, because that is a very, very difficult stretch for the Minnesota Vikings. We'll finish this in the final hour. Five and three for me in the first eight games. Reavers has them at six and two. Definitely call in. If if you have a comment on what you think they'll be through eight games or through 16 games, let us know. We'll be back after this. Myron Metcalf here on the ride, filling in for Pat Royce. We got a call from a Gordy. What's up, Gordy?
1: Hey, Myron, great show, guys. I wanted to ask you guys, if the Timberwolves did none of the moves that they did over the past couple of years, you know, they still had Zach Levine. Rubio, Chris Dunn. I think we'd be in a lot better shape right now than we are now. But what do you guys think?
3: Wait, wait. If we had Zach Levine and Chris Dunn, so basically, if Thibodeau hadn't uh, made any of the transactions that he made, brought yeah, Jimmy Butler, been, right? Essentially, yeah.
2: No, I, I think you. If Th- you want, thanks, be, Gordy.
3: Yeah, thanks, Gordy. If you want to be
2: competitive, you need a Jimmy Butler type, right? And I think Jimmy Butler was a great addition because you could have left Carl Towns with the other young guys, and we see what Zach Levine is doing in Chicago, just got a big deal. But I think the Timberwolves figured that they had a window to get a guy like Jimmy Butler, who was a consensus top 15 player in the league, add him to a Carl Towns, who is a consensus you know, top five player under 25 in the league, and kind of see what happens. But what if Jimmy walks? If Jimmy walks, you still have... A better Carl Towns who was always the building block. I I never, to, to me Jimmy Butler was always an experiment over two years where you put him with Carl Towns as Towns is maturing and see what happens. But Towns is the guy you can't lose, not Jimmy Butler. Because you're going to build a future around Carl Towns. Now if Andrew Wiggins regresses and Butler leaves, yeah you've got a problem but when I look at what Anthony Davis has done in New Orleans, when I look at what Giannis has done, and some of the pieces that they put around him in Milwaukee, guys who were kind of role players that developed and matured, you can just do so much when you have a, a consistent uh, elite presence like a Carl Towns who's only going to get better. So for me, you get Jimmy because you're going for it, right? You you, you want to get a guy like that. You, it
3: might have ended up costing you Zach Levine. Who is he a all star. Well, Zach's
2: coming off the major
3: knee injury, right? True, so, true. So he
2: got money from the Chicago Bulls because the Sacramento Kings basically threw a crazy deal, and he's a restricted free agent. They had to match it. Le- Levine played 30 games, I think, last year, right, and got a deal off that. Chris Dunn has shown some progress. Those young guys have. But you have a Carl Towns, and to me, if you have Carl Towns, you're going to always have the ability to attract another free agent that wants to play with them. Uh, you had to portray for Jimmy Butler. I understand that.
4: We'll be back. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.